Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another season of the podcast. So excited you're back. Boy, what a weird time to be alive, huh? Thank God we have so many more incredible guests and topics for you to quarantine with this season. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. First up on the podcast today is Maddie Siriotai. Maddie is a writer, designer, and creative technologist dedicated to social good, education, and community. She's the CCO and co-founder of Ovi, a sexual and reproductive health community and hub for women and people with vaginas, which is committed to the re-education and the destigmatization of the body. Let's give a warm season four welcome to Maddie. Smilemakers is a femtech brand on a mission to bring female sexuality out in the open. Created in 2013, their idea was to put vibrators on the shelves of our favorite retailers. After all, sex is a normal part of life, and we should be able to shop for it in our usual stores, right? Smilemakers vibrators are colorful and cute. They have been designed for the female pleasure anatomy by working with the latest research on the topic. Smilemakers also give you lots of tips from sexologists for more pleasure. Check them out at www.smilemakerscollection.com and redeem a free bottle of their generous gel lubricant with any purchase above 50 USD with my special coupon, SexEdDB. SexEd with DB is supported by Clonawilly. Clona Willy has been all about dick since 96, and all kits are hand-assembled in Portland, Oregon. All materials are 100% body safe, extremely high quality, and easy to use and clean. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase of any Clona Willy or Clona Pussy kit at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on IG, at Clona Willy Kit. Hello, Maddie. How are you doing on this fine morning? Good. Good. How are you? I'm okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm fantastic. Um, I am super excited to have you on the podcast. This is first interview of season four burr, 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 oh, so um, of the podcast. We are thrilled to have you. Um, let's go ahead and get started by you saying your name, uh, some pronouns that you go by. Um, your title, your job title, and what OV is. Yeah, so my name is Maddie Siriotai. Uh, I go by she, her pronouns. Um, I am the co-founder and CCO of Ovi, and we are a sexual and reproductive health hub for women and people with vaginas. Incredible. And what is what is CCO? God, I mean, it's, it's technically like chief content officer but okay our team is so small so like kind of like 
doesn't really matter. Right. It's, <laughs> it's more everything yeah. under the sun maybe is what you yeah, anticipate. Yeah, yeah, it's more so like, oh shoot, we need titles to, to let other people know what we do, but in reality like we're a startup and like we do a little bit of everything everywhere. Um, but yeah, chief content officers, something that we just made up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I support I that. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Cool. Well, let's get into your hmm. background and your story. And I would love to know how yeah. did your background kind of lead you to what you're doing now at Ovi? Yeah. So to go a little bit more into what Ovi is exactly is like I said, um, uh, a health hub, health companion for women and people with vaginas. And what that really means is providing them with educational resources, um, community, and the products they need to navigate their sexual and reproductive health. Um, because everything out there, it's it's so fragmented. It's hard to know like who or what to trust. And also the foundation that we have already is like is just so it's just not, it's non-existent. It's not great. It's not there. Um, and so what we do is we like to say we provide a lot of re-education. So a lot of dispelling of those myths or maybe talking about things that were just never addressed in our childhood. Um, and yeah, so like it really was one of those things that arise out of our own needs. Um, so actually Jane and Courtney, my other co-founders, they started it um, before I came on, I was just kind of like a friend watching from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And, um, it really happened when Jane, was, she had an UTI and she was running all over New York trying to find, like, she knew what she had and she just needed a doctor to, to confirm what she already knew, but then, so she could get the you know, right meds. The meds that she needed because you need a doctor's prescription. Mm-hmm. And then like, she couldn't find a doctor that would take her. And it was just like this whole frustrating experience in New York of all places where you think that there's everything available all the time. Totally. But even then she couldn't, she's like, there's gotta be a better way. Um, and we kind of all rallied around that belief of like, this is the universal experience of women and people with vaginas trying to navigate their sexual and reproductive health. And like, there's gotta be a better way, like whether it's self-education or being connected to resources or finding products that work for you, like there's just gotta be a better way. And we were like, okay, well, I guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> right. So yeah. You took it on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I know for me growing up, I am a first-generation immigrant um, from Laos. So what that means is my parents immigrated from Laos during, or I guess after the Vietnam War. Um, And then I was the first uh, generation to be born here, Mm -hmm. along with my siblings. And um, if you think like, you know, the foundation you receive in the U.S. is not so great. You go to Laos and it's non-existent. And then, you know, having parents from Laos trying to navigate um, what it means to be, like, American or trying to be American, but then also, like, hanging on to their roots Mm -hmm. and then, like, raising uh, a teenage daughter in the midst of it all, it's, 
it's a very trying experience. And so I, um, I like was navigating all of that by myself with that additional layer of like my body and my sexual health isn't something to be discussed with my, my family at all, even though like objectively speaking, like your family wants you to be healthy and happy and wants the best for your body. Mm -hmm. But once you add that, uh, layer of like, okay, well, what about my sexual health? What about what's going on with like the parts that we don't talk about? Like, okay, my arm hurts, my chest hurts, but what if like my vagina hurts or like my uterus hurts? And, um, you know, I wasn't really able to communicate that, um, when I was younger. And so now like in retrospect, looking back, it makes so much sense that I'm doing this. <laughs> it all comes full circle. It's all full circle because a lot of people do ask me like, oh, like what made you decide like this? I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's so random. Like, how did I get into sexual reproductive health? And it's like, oh, because I'm filling in the gaps that um, you were missing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same exactly. with like anything you go to with therapy. You're just like, oh, where does this all stem? Oh, for sure. When I was a child, <laughs> like literally all of our like notions of like how we feel about things. I mean, obviously there are some huge cultural aspects that cut through <laughs> to adulthood, but I think like what we learn as kids, really, we take that with us as adults and that's how our habits are formed. That's how outspoken we feel like we need to become because we were missing those things as kids you know yeah definitely and I think like so I do go to therapy and my Same. therapist it's wonderful oh my god my therapist Rob shout out Rob <laughs> we love Rob <laughs> um yeah he's always like so I'll like talk about a very present issue and he's like oh so that relates to like this in the past in your childhood and I'm like oh my god mm-hmm. yes Rob so clear. Um, yeah, yeah, it's funny. And I feel like when you're a kid, you either really like internalize those things or you kind of, um, you push back. And I was definitely a pushback type of kid, totally. uh, much to my parents' displeasure. <laughs> <laughs> and also though, I think it's important to, you know, for any like parents who are listening out there right now to know that like, it is not easy to parent kids mm. and to always know the right thing to say and to always know how your actions will impact your kids later on because kids remember shit. And I do have some s- sincere empathy for parents who are trying oh, to yeah. figure it out. And especially, you know, when they grew up with little to no tools in some cases. <laughs> or the opposite of tools, the things that were really harmful or traumatic for them, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really important to, to put that whole thing, too, in perspective and be like, wow, like, they probably, like, most parents do the best with what they can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really refreshing as, like, an old, <laughs> older adult, like, as a 27-year-old. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to think about. Definitely, definitely, and, like, as much as I talk about like the, the gaps I had growing up, like I, I know my mom did great with what she had and I, the gaps that I had growing up or the gaps that she had growing up and still had as a mother. 
um, who, you know, when she was my age, didn't have the same um, resources I did, even as a teenage girl in the U.S. And then trying to raise a teenage girl in the U.S. when you are an immigrant mother who's not used to this culture and is also not used to this, uh, or it's your first time raising a girl. And I have to give my parents a lot of credit because if to have me as your first daughter, you know, it was one hell of a trial run. Right. So I have a little sister and like, uh, not to say that they're doing a lot better, but I think they have a little bit more experience. They've already been through the ropes. Yeah, you were um, the guinea pig, so they're all good <laughs> now. I was, the, I was the worst case scenario. They're like, okay, we made it through hell, so let's, we got it. We got it this time. Um, yeah, because I just like, I was like, oh, like you say, I can't date. Well, I'm going to date. And you say, I can't do this. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't think I'm ready for like, these sexual experiences are like this, well, I'm going to do it anyways. And I, I did do it, but with a lack of education, a lack of like the full comprehension of the consequences that could happen. And I think like, uh, this might be kind of bad to say, but, um, so I was, I was raised Buddhist and like, I was just going through my teenage years, like doing whatever I want, um, with my body and with boys. And I lost my virginity to my first boyfriend and my mom found out and she was like, she was so upset. She's like, okay, we're going to take you to the doctor. Like, I know you're not on birth control. We're going to just do all the tests. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like it was my first time, um, you know, like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I get that call and, um, I, it was lucky that I was like home alone. I got the call and they're like, you tested positive for chlamydia. Oh man. I, first time. My first time, my first time. And then I was like, oh my God, this is my karma for just being like, <laughs> just being like a reckless girl and. And then that was like a whole thing. And then like, I told my mom and she was just like, Madeline, okay, let's go. Took me to Target to get my meds. The person behind the counter was like someone I knew. Oh no. I know, I know. And then I was like, okay, well, you think that'd be my lesson learned. But then my second boyfriend, same thing same thing happened again and then like they're like Madeline I don't know what's going on like but you something needs to change and I was like yeah you're right so like what are the chances that my first time and then my second time like it would be the case but um yeah I think but I do think that's something that happens more than it should and more than people realize just because like STIs are so common and people just don't get tested and there's that education and all these like myths around like when and with whom and how you can get those sexually transmitted infections and Mm. I was probably like 15 or 16 at the time and I thought I was invincible as all 15 and 16 year olds do but Mm. (laughs) I learned that was 
truly not the case. Yes. I mean, well, first of all, like, good for you for like being able to share that. I feel like that's very vulnerable. And especially when <laughs> your parents are like, God, Madeline, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but you know, there are 20 million new cases of STIs in the U S every year. And like, like you said, it's, it's obvious that these numbers are so high because we don't have access to education. We don't know the, you know, how important it is to talk about those things. And we don't know how easy they are to cure some of them. And so if we knew that, then the power would be kind of like in students' hands. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's, that's what needs to happen. But any who's or do's or let's, let's go on. Cause we got some more cues. Oh, um, okay. I want to know back to Ovi. So I want to yeah, know yeah. how Ovi is like breaking boundaries in the mm-hmm. space. Like what, what are you all doing differently than other platforms um, that are sharing sexual and reproductive health information online. Like, for example, what's the difference between, like, you and Planned Parenthood or you Mm. and some of the other kind of, like, common organizations that people go to for this information? Yeah, so we really like to uh, make it feel like you're talking to, like, a real person. And that's not to say, like, Planned Parenthood isn't, like – a great and valuable resource mm-hmm. or other uh, online resources out there, but it's like, it can feel pretty uh, removed and detached. And so one thing that differentiates us is our whole uh, quote unquote brand voice, which is really just like us talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read through like our content and like all of our social media and stuff, it's very, um, it's, it feels like there's somebody talking to you. Uh, we are very bold, edgy. We just, we say things plainly like, when was the last time you orgasmed? You haven't orgasmed recently. You should go do that. Um, or like, have you thought about butt stuff? If you have, that's like totally normal and cool. And if you're curious, like we have this butt stuff guide, like just saying things so plainly and boldly, um, and destigmatizing all these topics in a way that don't tiptoe around them. Um, I think we really tackle things head on. Um, and I think the way we address things, uh, can be a little bit like shocking to some people. Um, and I find that happening a lot in just like my day-to-day conversations or, when I see people reacting to the conversations that Jaden and Courtney and I are having in the corner, they like, we say like vagina or like, I have like a yeast infection or I say butt stuff again. Like I, I say butt stuff so often. <sighs> and like people I can't like, express enough how often I'm <laughs> saying the words, but I say butt and stuff together so often. <laughs> <laughs> and like people just kind of recoil but then that's just because they're just not used to those things being said so plainly. And I think like what we do is we allow people to be curious and ask questions in a judgment free zone. And in a way that, um, if you don't have the, I guess the vocabulary or foundation to ask these questions in a way that would mm, soften them, I guess. So like, Someone could come up to be like, hey, I want to try butt stuff. How do I do that? I 
want them to feel safe in that way or they do feel safe to ask me that in that way instead of like mm, my partner and I are thinking about exploring in the bedroom which may or may not venture down toward the butt area can or neither like... confirm or deny how much <laughs> asshole play is involved yeah exactly um and so uh like having that space where people just feel comfortable to say what's on their mind because we say what's on our mind um, I think is what differentiates us. Uh, we do have a chat on our website that one of us like manages. So um, it's not a bot, you know, someone's always on the other end and the questions we, we receive are like, uh, I have way more discharge than normal. Is that okay? Or like, um, I don't know how to use a tampon. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Like things that I feel like when people are hesitant to ask these questions, it's because they're embarrassed by the nature of the question or they're embarrassed because they feel like they should already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so allowing them to not know and allowing them to um, not be embarrassed or feel safe in asking about something that may feel taboo is, I think, our main thing. Totally. Yeah, that's super important. Um, and I think that the, so the next question that we have is about your Instagram. So like, usually we don't really ask about social media, but like literally every time you guys post something, I just, it's so like on point, like culturally, politically, color scheme wise, you just, you guys are really doing great. Um, and and it's very funny and just like unique. Um, and I'm wondering how you think. So everyone listening, if you don't follow Ovi on Instagram, please go do it. It is incredible and very fun and just like always has exactly the content you want to see. So I'm wondering like how you think that that platform contributes and helps your overall message. Yeah, I think social media is a very powerful tool and uh, people, I feel like people have always known that like the users, but now like companies and brands and now you see like politicians really using it as a tool to um, spread a message. And I think like, I think it's super powerful to have something on social media that people are comfortable sharing or even bold in sharing if you're sharing one of Ovi's posts because, you know, we can be out there sometimes. And um, it, it's a way for people, like if they reshare one of our posts on their story, it's a way for people to be like, this is who I am to an extent. This is what I believe in. And I believe in it enough to put it on my own platform of sorts um, to their hundreds of followers, to their thousands of followers or whatever. Um, This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. And to a certain extent, this is what I want you to believe in because I'm sharing it with you in this way. And so if we can get more people to share our message via social media, um, and if those messages are as bold and as unapologetic and as candid as they are on Ovi's page, then I think like that does a lot to destigmatize the conversation around sexual and reproductive health. And I think like, seeing um people interact on our page as well like in the comments um 
because it is a social media platform, right? So it's not like just like a me talking at you mm-hmm. sort of like it's an exchange between me and you and then with our other followers amongst each other in the comments. And so like being witness to this conversation happening, even if it's just a, like an Instagram comments and seeing people share freely about like the time they had a yeast infection and then recommending um remedies or tips and tricks in the comments to other followers like I think that's a very powerful um, and underrated way of destigmatizing the conversation having that level of community and also um, showing everyone else who may not be comfortable quite yet to you know share in the comments or to share on their page that like hey other people are experiencing the same thing as you are this is how they're coping and this is how normal it is. And hopefully, you know, sometime down the line, you'll feel the same way. Mm, yes. Amazing. Well, again, if you all don't follow them, <laughs> it's time. Um, so you are reporting from sunny Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Very jealous. She's currently like wrapped in a blanket in my apartment. Oh, um, I want to know what you've been up to there and like what's to come um, in the, in the near future from the projects that you all are working on? Yeah. So it's honestly super crazy. We like applied to this grant on a whim and we were like, LOL, we're probably not going to get it. (laughs) And then we got it. And then we were like, Oh shit, I guess we're moving to Puerto Rico. Now we got to fucking move to Puerto Rico. Darn. Oh, sucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got a grant from the Puerto Rican government to, basically come down for six months and operate out of Puerto Rico. And um, they do this with a lot of startups. And so we're around a bunch of other entrepreneurial minds that are super uh, creative and crazy and innovative in their own respective um, fields. Mm -hmm. But we are one of two women's health companies down here. And so um, it was obvious for us to come down to Puerto Rico because with our mission of helping women and people with vaginas to, um, you know, navigate their sexual reproductive health confidently with, uh, education resources and community. Like, obviously you want that to happen on a global scale. And so it makes sense to, um, start that in Puerto Rico. Uh, we thought it was a very unique opportunity to come down and connect with the community, see their needs and, and grow with them here. Mm -hmm. Awesome. We have a couple more questions. um, And then I kind of want to open the floor to see if there's anything that you want to chat about. But my next question is Mm -hmm. um, in the sex ed space in general, especially like the sex tech space, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of emphasis on this whole idea of women's issues, right? Like women's and girls issues, um, whether that be like women's bodies, women's education, you know, girls, teen pregnancy, there's always kind of that, uh, that link between those words, I would say. Um, but Ovi, um, is super inclusive in all of your content by, by clearly saying, and I've heard you say it in this interview multiple times, you know, like the platform is for women and people with vaginas. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, many people who like don't 
super recognize the importance of that differentiation mm-hmm. um, would maybe be like, oh, what's what's the difference? You know, we're kind of like, who, yeah. who cares to really like explain that further? Um, yeah. And I would I would want to hear like y'all's decision to make your company so outwardly inclusive um, and mm-hmm. what the triumphs and tribulations uh, that have that have come with that. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it was um, a decision that seemed natural. It just made sense to us because we were reflecting on our own experience of like how alone and isolated we felt and we're all cisgender women. And then we're thinking about like, okay, what if you're a trans man? Or what if you're a trans woman and you have that an even wider gap to bridge and there's even less for you out there? And how disappointing it must feel to find um, a quote-unquote like female health company, but then find that you as a trans person are not included in their definition of female. And so we make a very conscious choice to be like, we are for women and people with vaginas. And um, having more of our content expand or exploring what that means. So it's just one thing to say like, oh yes, we are for like women and people with vaginas, but um, also having our content really explore like the intersections of health and gender is really important to like, kind of like talking the talk and walking the walk, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't think um, it would really mean anything if that was a part of our mission statement if like, if all of our content was still skewed towards cisgender women. And so um, something I'm, I am continually excited to work on is um, working on pieces from trans authors about what it means to have your period when you are a person who doesn't identify as a woman and a period being a signifier of femininity. Um, or what it means to be non-binary and giving birth. These are all things that um, we're working on presently. And like, I don't think, I think people underestimate how much it means to someone else to see their issues or their identity represented when they're so used to just not seeing themselves at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can speak to that to a certain extent as being, you know, a Asian American woman uh, who is bisexual. And like, you hardly ever see like a bi woman on TV. That's like not hypersexualized or like Mm -hmm. not for the male gaze. And you don't really see a lot of Asian people on TV. And I remember growing up and still now like seeing someone, I'm like, holy shit, like, that's me. I'm there. I'm visible. And so if we can extend that to any other sort of marginalized, underrepresented community, like, I'm 100% going to take that opportunity. It just, yeah, it it all goes back to making sense to me. And I think a lot of it has to do with all three co-founders being women uh, Jane and I are both Asian American, Jane is Filipino, I'm Lao, and so like it just, it really comes from our own lived experience of, you know, constantly feeling like something's not for us or not fully or truly for us because we don't see ourselves in it. 
Totally. Yeah. And I really liked, I really liked what you said about like, not only talking the talk, but walking the walk in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you can have your mission statement say like, Mm -hmm. we're the most inclusive. And if Mm -hmm. you don't have content and products and Mm -hmm. ideas and, you know, things that will actually contribute to the conversation for those folks, Mm -hmm. um, that, that doesn't really mean anything. So I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're down to our last cue. Um, we have, uh, <laughs> we have one more question and then I want to open the floor. Of um, course. But the, the last question I have and feel free to take as, as little time or as mo as most time. No, much time. Much time. Time. As little or most time. No, um, take, take the time you need. I'll say. Yeah. To, um, to answer this question, which is in a perfect world, what would sex ed look like? I think in a perfect world, sex ed would look like it would be a foundation of our education. So in primary school, you know, you learn your colors, you learn your letters, you learn about your body you learn about other people's bodies and you learn how to interact with other people's bodies. And so, I mean, obviously it's like, I don't want to teach kindergartners like about butt stuff, um, I, like in that way. But I think the very basis of sexual health should come when we are just starting to learn about the world and ourselves, because it's, it's not something that should be like tacked on at the end when we're, you know, like pubescent, horny teenagers. It's something that we are born with. And just because we have sexual and reproductive health systems doesn't mean the education around it has to be inherently sexual. So, you know, I think children in elementary school have much to gain from learning about boundaries and consent And then as you grow up, like expanding that that knowledge around consent and what it means when you start to be intimate with somebody or what it means if you, um, you know, with your friends and with your family and then exploring yourself as well. Like, I just think like, I wish sexual and reproductive health was just seen as another like it was like math or it was like history you know Mm -hmm. like there's a foundation that needs to be built and I think we start to build that foundation much too late in life and the foundation that we are currently building is shoddy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's how Obi resulted was we're trying to you know kind of fix that foundation or strengthen it. Um, because a lot of what we do is re-education, dispelling those myths of like, actually, like you still can get an STI if you're a virgin. And, um, yeah, yeah. I think in my perfect world, that's what it would look like. And of course, you know, having it be ultra inclusive of gender, race, socioeconomic class but I think my main thing is like I just think it should be absolutely foundational uh, in our education 
here's your PSA about why masturbation is so amazing. Number one, it's safe. No one ever got pregnant or an STI when having sex with themselves. Number two, it's normal. Most people do it. Number three, it has actual health benefits. Besides making you feel like the best version of yourself by boosting self-esteem and creating a more body-positive outlook, masturbation is also correlated to better sexual functioning overall. And number four, it's an incredible learning experience to figure out what you like, with or without a partner along for the ride. This PSA has been brought to you by Sweet Vibes. Go to www.sweetvibe.toys and use promo code SEXWITHDB to get 15% off your first purchase. Follow them on Instagram, at Sweet Vibrations. Need a new vibrator? Meet FemFun. With an innovative approach to research and design, FemFun always strives to create products that truly fit all bodies and desires. Not all orgasms are created equally, but with over 20 unique items to choose from, the possibilities are endless. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase at www.femfun.com. That's www.femmefunn.com. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram, at femfun. Ever look at your penis or vulva in the mirror and be like, damn, my part is art? Clona Willy definitely agrees. The original penis casting kit, Clona Willy and the classy counterpart, Clona Pussy, are easy to make, sex positive, and body safe. While Clona Willy makes for the most personalized sex toy on the planet, Clona Pussy makes for the most unique memento. All materials are 100% body safe, extremely high quality, and easy to use and clean. Check them out at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Kathy Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.